Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Field that one stall to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. No, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Uh, of course, this week is brought to you by Blue Apron. Don't forget, you can get your first three meals for free by going to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox beat. Uh, you get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Um, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Um, of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. Of course, if you're listening to us on Stitcher or iTunes, we appreciate you listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate review to us on iTunes as well. Um, full gang back together this week. Playoff edition. Disappointing playoff edition, I'd say the least. Uh, Red Sox down 2 nothing to the Cleveland Indians in the ALDS. Um, guys, not what we expected by any means. No, not even a little bit. And um not feeling too discouraged. I mean, we both did say Sox and 5, and I say both like Jess and I, but... It's definitely discouraging going down 0-2, but nothing we're not familiar with. Yeah, it has happened many times in the past, and the Red Sox are seem to be better than anyone in those situations. I'm feeling, I'm still feeling good. Red Sox in five, it can still be right. <laughs> I was hoping that your Red Sox in five prediction, if that was the case, wouldn't be this way, but uh, no, that's happened. not how I planned it either. But <laughs> but that being said, um, still a chance, obviously, and it's kind of funny how Clay Buckholz has come full circle, and now he's the savior um, for this team. The season Just late on. Kind of rest on Clay Buckles' shoulders. Obviously, the rain out on Sunday um, puts this game at Monday night, so we'll see how he does. Obviously, for the Red Sox, but guys, the first two games, not what we expected. You send Rick Porcello out for game one, and it was a good baseball game, but just not what we expected. Um, Jess, why don't you take us through just the first couple games, get people caught up? Obviously, they live under a rock and didn't see any of it, and then we'll um, we'll kind of break it down. Yeah, first game was Thursday. Um... 5-4 loss, real close game. Yeah, I mean, the story early was definitely Rick Porcello. Um, he struggled. Third inning, he gave up three home runs out of four batters. His uh, his pitches were elevated a little bit, elevated enough to hit out of the ballpark, and obviously Cleveland's a launching pad for home runs because the Red Sox also hit three home runs. Uh, Andrew Benintendi hit a home run. Uh, Sandy Leone hit a home run, and Brock Holt also did. Um, this game was tough because the Sox got a run in the first inning, and then... Got a second run on the same hit by Hanley Ramirez, but the yeah, out out call was called at uh, at home plate on Brock Holt in the close play. So it could have been two nothing just like that Red Sox, but that got taken away. So at that point it was one nothing instead of two nothing, which obviously is a big difference. And especially because after that the Indians tied it at one in the bottom of the second on a Lonnie Chisenhall RBI single, but then Benintendi's home run put the Sox right back up two to one a uh, half inning later. Then Porcello fell apart, gave up three home runs, and it was four to two, which was still close. Uh, Sandy Leone got it to a one-run game with his home run in the fifth, and then the uh, Indians got one more. Jason Kipnis RBI single, five to three. Brock Holt hit his home run at the top of the eighth to make it five four, and the Sox tried to win it in the top of the ninth with a runner on. But Cody Allen's curveball is really nasty. Everyone was swinging at it, uh, and it was a five four final. So it's just tough start because the Sox jumped out quickly. Then that getting the run taken away kind of blew a little of momentum. And then Porcello struggled. You know, four and third inning, six hits, five runs, six strikeouts. He was consistent in the fact that he had no walks, which he's done all season long. But only going four and third innings, lowest total this year for him, and giving up the five runs. That also 
literally basically didn't happen maybe one or two times all season. So that was the outlier. It's, it was just, you know, not what you expect from him. And what sucks about it, too, is this is the type of game where you'd see Rick Porcello shine all year. It's, you know, the Red Sox get up early, have a lead, and then he'd shut people down. Red Sox would build a little bit more of a lead and go from there. Um, Red Sox scored the amount of runs they usually would need with a Rick Porcello start this season to win these games. Um, but for some reason, I don't know if the lights were too bright for Rick Porcello or what it was, but um, this is a game where we have been winning all year as a team because of the Rick Porcello and the Red Sox getting up to a lead, and they just didn't do it. And, it's, and it was weird. It was hard to watch. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating because this was not the game that we wanted Porcello to have, one of the worst games of, of the season for him. And, you know, like Jess said, he was still consistent with how he didn't give up any walks. But and when the run support was there, too, it, just, it was the pitching that wasn't there. And it was so, so frustrating to watch. Especially considering, like, we we were going in banking on this win. Um we needed this win because we Trevor, we Trevor Bauer pitching for the Indians exactly, and yeah. we knew Dave, we knew what came in game two. We knew David Price was going to be on the mound, so we needed we we expected them to win game one just in case. Um, and of course, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, and Terry Francona really uh, really relied on his bullpen with Andrew Miller and Cody Allen both throwing about forty pitches. So it worked out for him, and it worked out really well. Now that now that today's game got postponed because they'll be fresh again, but he really rode them hard uh, and. I mean, Drew Pomerantz has pitched really well for the, the Sox in relief of Porcello. Two and third innings, five strikeouts, only three hits. Uh, limited any any possible damage after Porcello left, but it was just, you know, not quite enough runs. Porcello gave up a little, little too few runs. I don't know. I feel like with Porcello, it was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe, like you said, Jared, the lights got a little bright playoff game. Maybe he over it and was like, oh, I've had such a good season. Now the pressure's on, really big game, and he just kind of cracked a little bit in a couple of pitches. I think he'll put it in the back door and be fine if, if he pitches again. I think this was just kind of like a, whoa, game one, incredible season. What just happened here? I kind of lost my lost my mind for a minute. It's kind of what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it's just kind of a shock of, crap, this is my this is my game. Um, and I, I'm hoping he gets the pitch again. I'm assuming if they win game three, he'd probably come back for game four. Um but who knows there? I don't know. The extra day rest definitely helps um, in terms of having the day off to move the games back. But we'll have to see, obviously, if they get, they got to win game three first. But hopefully he gets a chance to redeem himself. Yeah, that would be nice, especially in a game five situation. That's the ultimate time to redeem yourself. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, jump into game two here. Uh, not so close. Um, Six nothing Cleveland win. David Price pitched. People are expecting him, I guess, to do something different than he's done his entire career, which is to lose in the playoffs, and uh, he did just what he's done. He gave up four runs in the second inning, gave up a three-run homer to Lonnie Chisholm, who had 46 at-bats all season, and not hit a home run against the lefty the entire year, and Price left a nice pitch right down the middle, right for him to crank out of the park. Um, Indians got a run in the fourth and a sixth to make it 6 nothing, and Boston got three hits the entire game. Corey Kluber pitched seven innings three hit ball seven strikeouts he was dominant price three and a third innings six hits five runs two walks three strikeouts i guess the only really saving grace for either of these is that porcello and price neither of them threw hardly any pitches because they didn't pitch well but three and a third innings like price this is this was the game he was going to win you know at the beginning of the season he was waiting for this postseason chance this, he was saving his wins for boston Ugh. and he had probably his worst postseason outing of his career yeah it was bad um, no question. And, and the worst part about it to me, too, was he didn't really seem to own it after the game. It was a lot of, no. you, you know, those pitches were like the best stuff I had. Those are the pitches that left the ballpark, David. Um, and it's those little comments that we've, we've heard all around. Obviously, if you're in the area, you've heard it in the Boston radio market. It's just the comments that he makes to try to justify how bad he pitches. That's what gets to me the most. If you go out and suck, you go out and suck. That's one thing. But to not just sit there and go, you know what, I didn't have my goods, my best stuff tonight. I'm not happy at all, and hopefully we'll fix it moving forward. Like, just say something like that. Like, you don't need to come here and try to justify pitching three and a third. No, and, you know, Jess, I know we kind of had a discussion about this pretty much all day, and it's just we've heard this all season from David Price. Is, oh, I thought I had my pitches there, or I, it, I'll do better next time kind of, kind of attitude, and it's like, okay, there may not be a next time. Like This is playoffs now. You're our ace. We're paying you all this money to be the leader, to be the, the ace of the staff, and you can't even pitch like that in the playoffs. And I kind of had half expected this coming into it because of his postseason record from 
any other time he's tried to pitch in the playoffs, it's just never been good. And his record reflects that, and and yesterday reflected that too. We're going to have to wait till Let's... next year to see him do this again. Yeah, unless we, I mean, most people don't even want him pitching in game five if we made the game five. I don't know if I do either. But this, that's the thing, like, it's, you can't even feel comfortable with the guy you paid all that money to get a win. I didn't feel comfortable at all coming in this game. I was like, great, we're down one nothing now. David Price is pitching. What what proof do we have that David Price is going to pitch well in this game? And sure enough, goes out there and stinks it up again. I was like, this, and yeah, what you said, Jared, that really bothered me in the, after the game. I was like, first of all, you're nitpicking because somebody said he was winless as a, in the postseason, and he said, oh, I have two wins as a reliever, just not as a starter. Well, the fact this they pointed the, out. This, that's the wrong time to be nitpicking. No one gives a crap at that point. We want to hear about why you didn't do well this game. Why are you talking about how you have two wins and correcting the reporter? That is not the, the, the sign of a leader. That is not what you want to look for from the leader. That's not... It's, he, I don't know. This game... He really pissed me off in this game, and I it took me. I, I don't know. I get over losses pretty quickly, generally, but like I was just I was so bothered by Price pitching wise, and then his comments afterwards as, for like hours after the game. I'm like, man, he is really annoying me. It's just something about this game really got to me with him. Yeah, the biggest thing with this is like you said, it's the making justifying the two wins he has in the playoffs. You, you pitched out of the bullpen, David. It doesn't count. Um, if you want to pitch out of the bullpen that bad, we can start Erod in Game Five if we get there, and then maybe put you in the third inning. Like, is that going to make you right. feel better? He's a like, starter, not a reliever. <laughs> yeah. So why you point out the wins you got in relief doesn't count. You're owing whatever with a plus five right. ERA in the playoffs. That's what matters. And for the fact that he pointed it out and made the effort to point it out is kind of ridiculous. That was disgusting. I was like, did he really say? That? I couldn't. I saw someone tweet that. And I was like, did he really say that? I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, coming from your ace, everybody. Yeah, no, no ace says stuff like that. I'm sorry. And then he's like, oh, I promise I'll get better. I prom-. He's been promising all season. What is he waiting for? He might have a lot of more chances. This is game two of the ALDS. This is when you're supposed to do this. You are supposed to be a good pitcher. What is wrong you know, with this guy? I liked in the beginning of the season when, you know, he wasn't pitching well, like two, three, four starts, and he's like, it, I'm going to be better. I know what I need to do. I'm like, all right, this, this guy knows. I'm like, okay, maybe he doesn't know. Like, he's not fixing anything, and... Then he seems to be doing, yeah, then he seemed to be doing fine, and then he just tampers off again. Like, what? I don't understand how you can be such a good pitcher somewhere else, but can't be a good pitcher here. And I felt like he was going to be able to handle this, this Boston media and all the criticism. Maybe he can. Maybe it's really starting to get to him. And, I mean, you can't really say so much about the postseason because that's what he's always done in the postseason. But, like, what is so – I mean, I know it's hard about being here, but somebody who's been in big market teams and has been around before, like, what can't you grasp about being in Boston? I don't think it's the market. Like, I don't think that he's making snarky comments because of the market. I just think he kind of gave those responses a lot of places. He's just getting more aggressive questions than he would anywhere else. Um, And this is just the way he knows to answer those questions. So I can't justifiably sit here and say that he he can't pitch well in this market because you saw him. He was in the middle of the season when he was pitching well and he was doing really well. He had that grit to him. He was like, you know what, I sucked, whatever. Like, you know, he had that attitude and those responses. And then it went away again when he started pitching well even more. So he, I just wish in his conference, press conferences and his responses, I wish he'd be more aggressive. I wish he would just say, you know what, that, that's between me and my coaches. I need to figure it out. Like, don't cater to the media because that's the reason he's kind of a nice guy, and that's the problem in this situation. There's no excuse for – having that good of a regular season record in your career and that bad of a postseason record. I bet you couldn't find that. Besides Clayton Kershaw, he's basically the only one. Like, nobody else has that wide of a disparity of this good in the regular season and this bad in the postseason. 0-8 in the postseason with a 5.74 ERA and his team's 0-9 in those games? That's that's outstanding. That is so, so far off from what he does in the regular season. There's no excuse for that. The only, the only thing I can come up with is that he literally has no mental toughness. He has no idea how to pitch in a big game. He can't handle it, and he just cracks every time. There's no other explanation for it. None. No, there isn't. <laughs> if someone wants to tell me, give me an explanation, please do, because I don't get it. Yeah, no, there definitely isn't. Um if, if you think there is, hit us up on Twitter at Red Sox underscore B. We'll be glad to hear. We'll be glad to hear the responses because I don't think there is. There is. Except no for Adam, because I've heard enough from Adam. I don't need to hear anything else he has to say. If anyone else has something to say, yes, yeah, I've been hearing all season about how how Adam thinks he's the greatest pitcher in the world. And if anyone saw his article on uh, 
on CLNS about why we should be blaming other people other than David Price. It's a well-written article. It was good. It was good for what it was, but I don't know how you can defend this guy after what he's done. <laughs> it, it was a very well-written article, and I was kind of you know we talked about this today a little bit too. Just like if Price had pitched like Cueto did against Lester, like we wouldn't be having this conversation. Like, of course we wouldn't be having this conversation because we would have just been like, great, a, a, finally a good playoff star from Price gone to waste because we couldn't muster up any more runs, but Price didn't pitch like Cueto did, and I don't know if he ever will, but, I mean, this is exactly why I wanted Johnny Cueto, if you guys remember how week after week goes, <laughs> we and Cueto, and I don't know if my case looks any better now, now that... Even he pitched last year in the World Series for the American League. Now he's pitching in the NLDS for a National League team. Like, he's proven on both sides. And I just, I mean, it all could have been avoided if we still had Lester, blah, blah, blah. But I, oh, just, it, it's so frustrating. Even oh, past Lester, I think. Sorry, I got Jess. I was just going to say, there's one difference between Cueto and Price. Cueto wins the playoffs, Price doesn't. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, no, I think. I'm still not one to sit here and say I'm mad about the signing by any means because I think overall, at the time especially, like now that we're in the playoffs, we can say this, but we just wanted a guy who's going to come in and be the top end of the staff and help you win some games to get you in the playoffs, and that's what we got from him. So I can't sit here and say I'm like mad about the signing, but obviously I'd want Cueto if he's going to be the one to pitch in the playoffs well. Um, but I know you guys weren't sitting here when David Price got signed and said, you weren't saying, well, that's dumb, they shouldn't have signed him. Like, I know you wanted Cueto, Lauren, but no. I didn't say that, like, you hated the signing by any means. Oh, not at all. I mean, I was thrilled to have him here because David Price is a big name. And, the, like they said at the beginning of the season, the only thing that concerned me is that playoff record. And I know we had to get to the playoffs before we talked about it, but here we are in the here playoffs. We here we are talking about it. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for for, like, seven months. <laughs> it's finally here. Right, and it's, we're talking about the same exact thing, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I was excited about it too. I was like, David Price, big name, this is great. And then he didn't have as good of a regular season as you would have expected. Maybe we're harsh on him. I don't know. I know he had 17 wins. I know he had 230 strikeouts, but he also gave up the most, you know, 30 home runs. He gave up the most hits in the league. His ERA was four. He had a lot of really bad games, and he wasn't the ace of the staff. Rick Porcello was, so he didn't like satisfy all the checklists of of what we expected him to do. And I just was willing to look past the postseason ERA. I was like, you know, I'll give him a chance in Boston. Those were other places. I didn't necessarily see all those starts, but I'm going to see his starts here. And here he is. He had a start. He lasted three and a third innings, 10 outs. Now I'm mad because I'm seeing it here. We've seen it <laughs> other places. We've seen it here. It's right here in front of our eyes. Yep. It's not what we wanted to be. And it's maddening. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it, it, it kind of sucks because I don't think you're going to see him again this year, obviously, because I don't, I don't think the Red Sox are going to get to a Game 5 situation. Um, well, you're but, wrong. <laughs> oh, okay, Let, let's see. Let's see how Clay Buckles no, it's, does tomorrow. It's, it's 50-50. Oh, Clay Buckles is winning. It's 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 the other ones we have questions about. <laughs> can you imagine, like, just, can you just imagine if Buckles goes, like, 6-7 or 8 innings and actually wins the game tomorrow? Oh, 8 innings, 3 hits, no runs, 8 strikeouts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't hold your breath, guys. I don't think he's going to pitch terribly, but um, no, I, 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 I don't think he's going to get the win. I think the Red Sox will win, um, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, well, there, that's just his recap, of course, like every other week, uh, just a little shorter with the two games from the week. And, of course, that was brought to you by our uh, good friends over at um, Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this, of course, by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Everything's fresh, delivered to your door every week. You don't have to worry about going shopping. It it's really, makes it really easy. Um, of course, some of the meals available in September, uh, paprika, spiced shrimp, and cheddar grits with tomato and sweet corn, eggplant, and chickpea tangine with uh, island pepper, tomato, and couscous. I actually just had that one. It was delicious. Um, summer udon noodle salad with cherry tomatoes, corn, and summer sweet pepper. All that stuff's great. It's all available on online, of course, uh, for Blue Apron um, for less than $10 a meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonable recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, the wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes. Blue Apron is bringing you the best food possible. And, of course, now we have a great deal for you as well, so you make sure you do go check it out. It's 
blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. You're going to get this week's menu as well as your first three meals for free with free shipping. And it's not, not a promo code. It's a link at the top of the website. Type it in the URL. Again, it's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. I know we, got, we use it um, as well. And I know we all are obsessed with it, realistically. <laughs> it saves us all a lot of time, too. Yeah, and it couldn't be easier to do. Like you said, just type it in the URL. It's right there staring you in the face. You just sign up. <laughs> you get your meals. Yep, it. it's easy to sign up, and it's easy to cook. So if people like me can do it, you can do it, too. Yeah, seriously, because I can't cook. It makes it ten <laughs> times easier. <either. laughs> I can't cook to save my life. So it um, makes it easy, for sure. Um Obviously, tough two losses. Red Sox get the rain delay. Probably a good thing, to be honest, guys, that they get the extra day to kind of recoup here, hopefully come back. Clay Buckholz is getting the nod still for game three. Um, one thing that, obviously, we, start, we started talking on the pitching with Porcello and Price and what happened there, but what happened to the offense? Because besides Brock Holton, which is, I mean, it's still shocking to me, but, like, Brock Holt's been hitting second. He's doing well. What happened to what happened to the offense? No Mookie, no Ortiz. Hanley had a good decent game but other than that like what happened i i don't know it's it's so frustrating the series has just been frustrating beyond belief and i mean it's great to see benintendi really stepping up and hitting home runs and just his plate patience just blows my mind too like i mean he i want to be swinging at half those pitches that he just takes but like you said it's i mean where's mookie where's where's david ortiz where's jackie bradley it's just like Xander bogart's yeah, where, where'd they go? What happened? Right, it's like not even the best play. It's not even like the average players who aren't playing well. Like Holt is playing well. Sandy had a home run. Benintendi had a home run. Um, but it's the guys that we expect to hit. Ortiz, Betts, Bogarts, Bradley, all those guys, and they're not. And it's weird. I, I don't know. It's It's been strange because the 11-game winning streak was incredible. And then they lose 5 out of 6 to end the season. Now lost 2 more in a row. That's 7 out of 8. Complete opposite from the 11 in a row. It's, I don't know. Did, it, did the team lose focus with those the last week after they clinched? Did they kind of just like sit back and were like, all right, it's fine. Like We didn't get home field. We can still go out there and win. Like We have a good offense. And then they just like forgot how to hit. It's like, I don't know. It's it, they. I mean, I'm not one to like tell you exactly what happened in the clubhouse because I'm not there, but like it kind of seemed like they just kind of rested a little bit and was like, it's okay, we can, you know, no, ur- like, no urgency. It's just kind of like, it was kind of like whatever happens, happens. I probably, know not guys, way to do. I probably know your guys' answer to this, but was David Ortiz celebration a distraction? No, I don't think so. I'm willing, I'm, I'm leaning towards no, but I'm, leaving a little hope, a little uh, sliver that it could have been just because it was such a big deal and it was so emotional. And then it's like, hey, look, now we get to play in the playoffs, it's, I don't know, which should motivate them, which is why I don't think it which is why I don't think it was a distraction. But I could see why it would be if that is, in fact, what happened. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, we did find out about the chicken and beer, so we might know. Maybe we will find out. <laughs> At some point. Um, I think it, what the key problem with the offense has been um, – like, I just think it's tough because during the season for baseball, you have ups and downs, you have peaks of, and valleys, and you have that situation. But obviously the Red Sox caught fire right for the year. But, of course, it's just unfortunate that they're hitting one of those lulls now. Um, I don't know where it went. I don't know if they're losing focus. I personally, obviously, you guys know my answer. You, I, I think the Ortiz crap was a distraction um, just in the sense of bad timing. You know, they're, 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 if they were still fighting for the division, if they didn't wrap it up so early, I don't think it would have been one. But because they had already wrapped it up, I think that, along with already having the division crown, really just kind of didn't go well together, if that makes sense. Um, if they were still playing for their playoff lives, I don't think it would have mattered. But just because of the fact that, yeah, they weren't playing too well, but they came in to celebrate David Ortiz, but it didn't really matter because they just in their head probably thought they could flip the switch come playoff time. Well, the, the flip tried to get switched last night. It just didn't do it. Switch did not happen. Um, and it's unfortunate because now you might get swept, if not losing four, to a team that you're better than because of the injuries and things like that. Yeah, it's the, the, the LDS series is really dangerous because they are five game series instead of seven game series, and it's so easy to you know the Sox have gotten swept in two LDS series since all the World Series stuff in the mid two thousands. It's it's happened, you know. It's it's they're dangerous series. You lose focus for a couple of games, like happened here, and it's you get in a quick hole, and you gotta 
you got to battle your way out. Fortunately, the Sox have numerous times, which we're hoping for again, but it hasn't happened every time. And they're they're just dangerous. They're too. It's too short of a series. It's too quick. You know, eighteen innings, boom, you're down to nothing. That's it yeah. for a whole hundred and sixty-two game season. It's just too. I don't know. I guess they need to make the baseball playoffs quick because it starts getting cold and everything. But five game series is not long enough. No, I I I mean I don't. I wouldn't mind if all series were seven game series, but then you'd be playing till November. Not that I would mind, but it's, I mean, I don't know, like you said, 18 innings and you're, you're down. Oh, two. It's hard. It's kind of like the wild card game, nine innings and your whole season's gone to waste. Yep. Exactly. I mean, could you guys consider an opportunity where they could realistically maybe get rid of the wild card and just may, I mean, they won't, but like the way it was before with that first rat matchup, maybe have, situation where just the first round seven games instead of having the wild card game it doesn't do too much but it helps a couple days because i think it should be a seven game series because it gives you more time like a team like now as a red sox fan you, you have time to catch up you have time to move forward you know two games don't matter as much as they do and obviously in a five game series and it's really unfortunate because if it was a seven game series i'd still be more confident that the red sox might be able to kind of jump out of it and have a few more games in hand to kind of figure it out but now it's their their playoff lives are against the wall because game three of Clay Buckholz is up tomorrow and if they lose they're going home. I honestly don't see why you can't have the wild card games and a seven game series. What the season goes three days longer? Who cares? I don't get why that makes so much of a difference. Yeah, it's cold in November. It's cold in November. It's not. I mean, you're already going into November, so what's one more day? Like, what's a couple more days? Yeah, I don't. I don't see why it makes that much of a difference. Honestly, well, well, I think a lot I... of it too is like TV deals. Um, so like, mm-hmm. for instance, if the Red Sox, like they have a seven game series, but then the series was over before that, they don't start until the scheduled start date, um, because of things on schedules, like the world series won't start till it's start date regardless. Um, right. B- basketball does it that way too. Like, it's just a matter of contracts and it all comes down to money, obviously. And that's the situation I think they're in now. It's the schedule's set. So if they, if it ends early, then they were going to wait longer because they're not going to change. They're not going to bump up the start to the next series. Right, you just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. <laughs> like basketball, you sit there and wait like six days, you sweep your series, and you just twiddle your thumbs for a week. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I, was, I, I think they should look into it. Maybe they have looked into it. Maybe it's not possible. But I don't see how it could hurt to make the series two games longer. All the yeah. other sports do seven-game series. I, why can't we do that in the first round here? Yeah, it it makes so much. It would make so much sense, and it just would help out these quick games because you'd think the teams that deserve to win would most likely end up winning ninety nine percent of the time because of um, just the situation in longer games. Like I don't think Texas deserves to be down o two, but now they're screwed because they're down o two going back to Rogers Center. So like, that's yeah, not happening. You, oh, if you lose the first two games at home, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, so, most of the time. Um, and, and that's definitely a situation where they are screwed. So um, a lot going on, obviously. But go, going back to game one, um, there was a huge decision Terry Francona made where he wrote Andrew Miller in what, the fifth inning, I believe it was, right? Um, yeah. And he, he pulled – he went to Andrew Miller really early. Um, and I think a lot of people weren't really surprised because Andrew Miller has that role. But at the same time, he probably could have waited. Um, that being said, I, I think it, it were, obviously worked, but – I don't think I was ever considering him crazy because obviously you knew what you had in Miller um, and Cody Allen. So it made sense, but at the same time, then Farrell went and tried to copy it and mimic it. And it just, I mean, Pomerantz didn't give up any runs, but I don't think they should have pulled Porcello when they did in game one. Um, But with Francona, even more reason why he's one of the better managers in the league because of stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it made sense because... He kind of mentioned before the series that he's gonna he's gonna pitch Miller in like any situation that he wants to fifth inning seventh inning ninth inning third inning I don't know if he go that early but he pretty much said that he was gonna pitch him whenever he felt like it and he didn't really have a specific inning uh, role I'm surprised he threw 40 pitches because you know it knocked him right out of game two if he was to pitch then um, and same with Cody Allen throwing 40 pitches bringing him for five outs instead of three that's a little much and he almost blew it so it was kind of dangerous but. I guess you roll the dice when you have good pitchers, and uh, and he did. So it worked out. I mean, it definitely could have backfired, but it, it didn't, fortunately, for, for Francona. Yeah, and, I mean, Andrew Miller, like you said, like I think if Francona had to, he would go. He would have gone with Miller in the third inning because he's just has that kind of – he's just that kind of pitcher. And, you know, 40 pitches for both those guys is a lot, and clearly they're, they're capable of doing that. And 
that just goes to show like the kind of team that Francona has. And obviously we know Francona is an incredible manager and it's just, I don't really think Farrell tried to like mimic what Francona did. You know, but I know Porcello was kind of all over the place with his control. So I think he made the right call bringing him out when he did. It was early. Yes. But I think at that point when you're and then you're going up against Andrew Miller, it's kind of like, maybe you should just go to your bullpen too. Yeah. And I think that overall, um, Andrew Miller is a guy who wants to pitch whenever he needs. Like he came out and even said, "Like I want, I, I want him to pitch me whenever he feels he's fit and I'm ready to go whenever he needs me." So Andrew Miller is a big reason why that Cleveland Indians team is so good in the first place. And I just think that I, I think Terry Francona made the wrong, I mean the right decision, um, and obviously it worked out well for him. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't either think either. Like Lauren said, I don't think that. Pomeranz coming in was like to match Miller. I mean, Porcello gave up five runs in four and third innings. This way, you don't wear him out for a future start because uh, he only threw seventy-two pitches. And then Pomeranz, you know, you have him at your disposal because he's not starting. He can give you fifty-one pitches and throw two and third innings, and it worked great. So I don't see what what the problem with that was at all. Whether he pitched well or not, because he came here to be a long reliever because he is a starter, and that's what they did. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think it, um, Andrew Miller is phenomenal. Um, the situation with Farrell, though, I look at that situation and just say, you have a guy in, in, in Rick Porcello who you've been banking on all year who lost once at home and shouldn't have lost. And you, obviously we know what he did this year. That guy wasn't pitching that bad. Like, they could have rode it out for a f- an inning or two more, and they didn't have to go to Drew Pomerantz when they did. Obviously, it worked out, and it's nice to have a guy, a starter in the bullpen that can, can do that for you. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I would have done it, only because of the fact that if you give, if you flipped a coin, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to flip, I don't really think it's a coin toss between Rick Porcello and Drew Pomerantz. It's, I want Rick Porcello on the mound. Um, so if, if, if he can last at all, I would just kept him out there. But Pomerantz pitched better, which is funny. No, no runs, almost as many strikeouts already in, in half the amount of time. I mean, yeah, I, I would, I would say leave Porcello out there. I agree. I don't, you know, yes, he gave up a couple of home runs, but I don't think he was pitching that poorly. But I mean, at that point, it's kind of like, what is the point leaving him in when you could use him later in the series? You know, maybe on short rest, and now it turns out he can pitch on normal rest in Game Four because of the rainout. But in general, if you're not pitching well and you're at 72 pitches and you have someone like Pomerantz, I think it makes sense. So maybe in the regular season, leave Portello in, but in this case, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just look at it and decide that I understand that he was basically like, it's the playoffs, you manage your bullpen differently. Like, I'm not like, it wasn't like the reason why they lost by any means, but I just sat there and kind of questioned it. But it's something where, um, they didn't win the game. It didn't really hurt them, though, so I can't really be mad about it. But I, I just think I questioned it right away when it, happened, when it was happening, and that was my initial reaction. Um, but even that being said, now you have to worry about – I mean, nice thing is because he came out so early, Porcello could pitch game four if they get there, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but you have to think, are they going to get there? Um, what's going to happen come game three with Clay Buckholz on the mound? Guys, I, like I said earlier, I just, I just think that – looking at this game, looking at the way it's setting up for them. Overall, I think they're going to win the game. I don't think Clay Buckholz is going to get credited for a win, but I think he'll pitch decent, keep him in the game. Um, but I think the offense is, is finally going to come back to life. Being at home um, is going to be a huge help, and I think that you're going to see the bats awaken to get at least one win in this series. Yeah, I think it'll be good for them to come home, and I think Clay Buckholz will pitch much better than Porcello and Price, which doesn't really seem that hard to do. Given that, given those guys' outings, but um, I think being at home was, is definitely going to help. They're going to just kind of get the chemistry back, just kind of start clicking better, and just realize that our season's on the line. Like they're ALE's champs, and I, I don't want to see them go out in the first round. Of, of course, I don't. But it's it's time for them to just step up and just go on this three-game win streak and an eleven-game winning streak to to end the get into the World Series and win it all. That's, that's that's right. That's exactly what's going to happen. No, I think the I think they're not going to go down. They're not going to get swept. I don't see how it's possible. The the so many of the players were super angry after game two. They were they they got a fire lit under them. Pedroia was throwing out his we're not we lost our identity. We're the Red Sox. Like we're going to turn it around. Ortiz was angry. Farrell was angry. You know they were all angry. And I think that 
that lit the fire on them. They realized we we can't just come in here and you know just show up and win the game. That's not how it works. So I think they'll get it together. I think the offense will pick it up. The crowd's going to be behind them. Clay's been pitching great the last month. He's going to continue that. I think the likelihood, like the percentage of losing this game, is really low. Yeah, I think that this this team has a good enough, I say, identity, DNA, whatever you want to call it, to at least not get swept. <laughs> um, there's enough leadership in that locker room. I think there's enough guys who can really kind of rally the troops here and at least get one win out of this. And then after that, you never know. And um, if they do, well, you do because you have Rick Porcello, and he's not going to pitch badly two games in a row. I have faith in him. Okay, but then you still put David Price in Game Five if that happens. That's where I'm not so confident. Maybe they'll go with your odds. Which is sad, isn't it? I'm sitting here. No, I don't. I think they should think about it. I think it makes sense. It's kind of hard to to give Price that deal and make him your supposed ace and then not pitch him in a game five. I think that's kind of cruel, even though he probably deserves it. I don't know if they can get away with pitching Erod instead of him. But the fact that I'm even thinking about pitching Erod instead of Price is such a problem, and it angers me like I've been saying the entire freaking show. I yeah. threw my phone when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic Jess. I don't know. I don't. It gives me an uneasy feeling too. It makes me want to throw my phone and throw my computer. I don't know. I just like throw like run my car into something. I don't know. It's just like you would never run even, Bruce into anything. You would never do that. That's very true. I would never. But I would think about it if I hear any more talk of Erod going over price. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, it should never come to that. <laughs> it shouldn't have to come to that, and that's the crazy thing that it is coming to that. And I agree, I would really consider it if you get to that point. Um, it's so wrong, so yeah. wrong. Come on, that's David. So, yeah, it's it's really bad that, and he, I mean, he did it. He's doing it to himself. He's he's making us think yeah. this way, um, because we have no other choice to think that way. Um, but we're obviously going to have to wait and see on what happens. We have to get a game three win first. Clay Buckholz hopefully has to come through for this team. Um, but that being said, one other thing that intrigues me with this is Andrew Benatendi. Um, and I wanted to touch on this real quick because I think that it's kind of getting overlooked what this kid's been doing. You know, he gets, he kind of got sprung up really quick. Um, he went through the entire system in one year and now he's playing on a playoff roster. Um, there are little things here and there that, you know, he's done. To maybe if you don't really call it a rookie thing, you know, when he like casually glazed back for the outfield ball in left field and the guy tagged up from first to second, like those little things. But like major leaguers do that too. Um, I just wanted to kind of shed some light on the fact that this kid's doing pretty well for a kid that has come through all the way. Um, and as much as I hate that he shaved the flow off, I think that this kid's really promising enough that he's showing what this team what this team can be, even not even now, but down the road as well. Yeah, it's been he's been so much fun to watch since he came up and even after he went down with that injury that that was definitely a little scary, but he bounced right back and came back like he never even missed a game and like you said, now he's on a playoff roster and he's really just proving that he's living up to the hype that he's had all around him since since forever, since we've since we've been introduced to him and it's so nice to see someone so young and so like mature at the plate in the field. Like he just plays like a big leaguer and he just, he's going to be so much fun to watch in the years to come. Yeah. Ben and is a classic example of a guy not thinking too much. He's just going off his talent. He knows that he's a good ball player. Like, like you said, Lauren, he's mature for his age for sure. And he just, he just goes out there and doesn't think he hits a home run. He gets a single in the ninth inning of a five, four game. Like these other guys are wailing and completely missing at pitches. Bogarts is overthinking things. Bradley's overthinking things, and Ben Tenney just comes in here and gets gets hit here, hit there, you know, makes some catches. He's just not overthinking it, and that's what you have to do, especially when you're that age. Uh, he's got so much. He's got so much potential. It's, you know, he did, like you said, Jared, he did that thing where he caught the ball and didn't throw it in fast enough, and then he made it clear right afterwards, that's not happening again. Like, he's going to learn from mistakes. He's not going to make a lot, that many mistakes, and when he does, he's learning from them. He's definitely the real deal. I'm always... I'm always, always, always hesitant with guys who are young and who are hyped up so much. But like Mookie Betts, I feel like he's one of these guys who is hyped up for a reason because he appears to be the real deal. Yeah, he does. And I think that it's exciting to see. Obviously, Moncada's there too. Obviously, not as fast as an approach with Benintendi. But uh, I just want to shed, shed some light on that because it's kind of fun watching what he's been able to do and the fact that 
even under the bright lights of the playoffs, he hasn't really made that many bonehead mistakes, guys. Like, he doesn't really look like a rookie out there. No, no he, he doesn't. He doesn't look like a rookie at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's nice. Like, he's just, and I'll say it time and time again, the patience that this kid has at the plate, it just blows my mind. Yeah, and it's obviously fun to watch. I just want to make sure we kind of brought that to attention because I think with that, um, it kind of shows, yeah, there's there's this veteranship on this, this this roster, and it does obviously help him, but the fact that he's not hitting ninth in a postseason roster as a rookie is pretty impressive for me um, because especially the way Xander Bogarts is hitting, I'm shocked that Andrew Benetton isn't even higher than that. Um, where he, I think he's been hitting seventh consistently. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Xander either. I don't know what's going on with my boy, but that he, they need to figure that out too. Um, that being said, we're going to get into some predictions that the, the written team made this preseason a little bit because we figured to take the, you know, during the playoffs to see what's going on. But first, we do want to go around um, Major League Baseball a little bit and the other playoffs that's going on. Um, guys, let's let's start in the American League, the other series, um, Texas-Toronto. Toronto went to Texas and took it to them. Um shellacking in game one game two was a little better um and now as we speak they're in the top of the 10th inning texas is fighting for their lives at the rogers center you got to think there's some theatrics going on in that one for a walk-off for toronto as well but toronto's really coming in strong here and bringing it to texas yeah i mean this is not really what i expected but i mean this is this is playoff baseball for you and um they're i mean toronto just i did not expect them to basically just like steamroll over Texas in the first two games, and now te- now Texas is putting up a fight, and they're going in extras, and it's definitely it's just been an exciting playoff like all around. But this one, I I really didn't think Toronto was going to go up two nothing. Yeah, I'd hope that Texas would be fighting in the last game when they're down two nothing. That's that's good. If it be after they being the best team in the American <laughs> League, I hope they would fight in the last game of their season. It's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we were talking about it in the last show. We were saying. They have a plus eight run differential and the best team in the league. That is so wrong. Like it's so far from what anyone else has done. So we were questioning: Are they really as good as their record shows? And if we're going by what we just saw, getting absolutely hammered in the first game and then losing the second game too, both at home, that's not a good sign. I'm not sure they are as good as the record shows. No, and you can use that close game stat, obviously, and that run differential as a good kind of indicator. Um, but look, they, I think that no one expected ten to one in game one. Like when I saw that, I was like, "Wait, that can't be right." Because I didn't what? watch the game, um, so I, I think it's cra- that number was crazy. Um, obviously, game two in this series was a little better, being five three. It was more of a game. Um, didn't really feel it though. It kind of just felt like Toronto had kind of a hold on it the entire time. But uh, that being said, obviously good to see some fight in Texas. I don't want Toronto to kind of cakewalk through this. Um, that being said, if the Red Sox do lose, I'd like. Toronto, Cleveland would be a fun series to watch. So I, I can't really be mad at that. But um, across to the other way here, um, nationally kind of storyline, start with the Giants and the Cubs. Um, Cubs doing what they're supposed to do, taking care of business. Um, that, that game won, though. Um, that, that Lester Cueto game, one nothing Cubs. Phenomenal stuff there, of course, and obviously starting pitching the story there. Oh, yeah, that was that was such a fun game to watch. And, again, kind of like... I just said it. That's playoff baseball. You, the best pitchers going up against each other, and you know jo- Johnny Cueto and John Lester were pretty much evenly matched until Cueto gave up that home run. And I mean, it's I can't imagine if Cueto hadn't given up that home run, if how far that game would have gone into extras. Because I mean, that game was so evenly matched until then, and even then it was a one nothing win. It wasn't a big blowout win either. It's pretty funny if you look at the numbers. Equator threw 118 pitches in eight innings. Lester threw 86 pitches in eight innings. He wow. was rolling. Yeah, he was rolling. And they took him out. He could have easily pitched the ninth inning. I think he probably should have. But, yeah, that was a great game. I think the Giants are doing what you'd expect. It's an even year. Their team maybe isn't quite as good, but they're not going down without a fight. They're making the games close. They won their their wild card game with Madison Bumgarner pitching a complete game shutout. So they're, they're here to play. It's just the Cubs might be a little bit too good. 5-2 win in their second game. Um, but it's a close series, and I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco won even the next two games. I think they're good enough. They're playoff tested. They have good pitchers. They just may not have enough offense to get it done. But I think if they're playing most other teams, they have a really good chance to win. They just got matched up with the best team in the league at this <laughs> point, obviously. So 
But you got to have faith in them, though. They are the Giants. Uh, Cubs have Game 3 um, and the, with the Giants on Monday night. They are up 2-0. They won 5-2 um, on Saturday. Another good game for Chicago. Look, Chicago at this point, if they don't win the World Series, it's a huge disappointment just based off the season they've had and obviously learning from what they did last year and adding the additions they did. Um, this Them not winning the World Series would be a huge disappointment um, for obviously Cubs fans and I think just baseball as a whole because if you look around Major League Baseball, they are the best team by far. Um, so I think obviously it's baseball and you don't know what's going to happen, but it seems pretty set, for, at least for me, that uh, they're going to go to the World Series because I don't think the Dodgers or the Nationals um, can really beat them in a seven-game set either for the NLCS. So um, we'll have to be intrigued to see who they play. Obviously that series with Dodgers, with the Dodgers and Nationals um, going on as well. Nationals, of course, uh, took game two after the postponing. They're, they were up. Uh, they won that game five to two. So now that game is even. Um, so that I think that game, guys, will also be a uh, will be a definitely be a dogfight kind of all the way through. Yeah, and it's funny. This is the series I kind of just forgot about. Kind of pushed to the back burner, and I'm still getting the alerts on my phone. But I'm like, man, nah, Dodgers Nationals. Like, I really thought the the Dodgers were going to kind of take it, but the you know, Nationals are really putting up a fight. And same thing, like this. All these series, really, except for Game 1 of Texas and Toronto, which have been really close, and all of them that I've watched have just been so, so interesting to watch. Like, right now, I'm just intrigued by this Toronto-Texas game. The, Toronto has a chance to win it right now. you think Game 2 in the Red Sox series was close? No, no, no. <laughs> except Game 1, I said. Except Game 1 of that series was, was close. Maybe it's talking about game two of our series. Oh, game two. Yeah, no, I mean, shouldn't say close, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't the one. It wasn't close. Besides those two games, it was close. But. Yes, yes. If you just make sure you right. put that one in there because that one was hard to watch. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm saying. Make sure you put David Price in that category. Um, <laughs> so obviously, a lot of good playoff baseball going on as we speak. There's a really good game going on in Toronto. Um, so obviously, we'll make sure we keep an eye on it. All that for you come next week as well. Um, but one thing we did want to do, and we have a few minutes left here, about 10 or so, but we wanted to look back um, with the written team and the preseason predictions they made. So I'm going to hand it over to Jess for this one just because he is the, the man in charge with the uh, written coverage. So I want to let him break down the preseason predictions we're going to go through and kind of react to how well people did or didn't do. Yeah, definitely some interesting ones. Good, a lot of good categories we came up with. Um, First of all, I'll start with team wins because that's what everyone always predicts at the beginning of seasons. Uh, the over-under was 88.5, which was already 10.5 more than, than the team got last year. Uh, I predicted 89, so I was a little short. Obviously, if you, you know, we want to get what we what we got here, and it was uh, 93 was the amount of wins. So I said 89, so a little bit off. Um, Adam said 85, a little bit low there. Uh, Lauren said 92 to 93, which I believe is our winner here. So, Lauren, Woo! congratulations. <laughs> Her playoff, predictions not, her playoff prediction's not coming true, though. Oh, it is. You just wait. You just wait. <laughs> uh, Mike said upon, he said 86, so he's a little bit off. Uh, Nick Tasso said 88. Lars Estevez said 87. Nathan Neo said 85. So, Lauren, good job. You won that for sure. Um, and most people were a little bit off, but mostly pretty close. Um, this next one I want to talk about, though, David Price wins. This is kind of funny, as we've been crapping all over him this entire um, show his over under was 16 and a half. Um, who even cares about the over under? Really, we just care about the final result. I said 15, so I was two off. Uh, Adam said 19 wins minimum because, as we know, Adam for some reason wants to marry David Price, so let's let him. Um, <laughs> Lauren said 20, a little bit off there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Mike said 17 which is exactly what he got. So Mike wins that one. Um, and then uh, Lars said 20 as well. And Nathan said 17. So Nathan and and uh, Mike win. Most people overshot him, though, because I guess as we'd expect, right? He'd expect Price to have a better season than he did, and uh, he didn't. It's funny that we're sitting here kind of disappointed in 17 wins when that is a lot of wins, but when you have somebody like David Price on the mound, you want him, you want him going 22-4. and four. Sounds familiar. Did Rick Porcello yeah. do that or something? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he did. Oh, okay. Take notes, David. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes. Um, don't really have to go over Craig Kimbrell. Uh, we all 
very much missed that because Kimbrough got way less saves than anyone expected him to get because, as we know, his season was a little bit of a disappointment. Didn't get as many save opportunities. Pitched in a lot of tie games where he was terrible. So we all kind of missed that one because he just wasn't what he was supposed to be this year. No, yeah, he wasn't, was... and he sucked. And he and, and I think that he caught he, he caught up a little bit, and I think he did okay. But now, I, I, especially with the last week of the season, how that went, I don't trust giving him the ball at the current state of where he is. Yeah, I mean, his, his whole season was disappointing. You know, he's one of the best closers out there and kind of comes in and gives us what he did. And I don't – it's – I hate being uneasy when our closer comes in to the game. Like, we shouldn't be feeling like this. We should be like – have that confident feeling that we had in Koji in 2013, and now we're just like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, it's not a very comfortable feeling, so we all missed that. Actually, I said 37, which is only six off, so I kind of was the closest on that one, but still not close enough. Um, David Ortiz, final career homers. Um, he obviously hit 541 for the total. I said 533, so that's a little bit under. Uh, Adam said 540 plus, so he was right on the nose for there, so good job, Adam. Uh, Lauren, you said 537 to 539, so you were just a couple under. Mike said uh, 528. He was way off. He underestimated Ortiz severely, which I guess makes sense because he is 40, but David Ortiz is uh, incredible, so he did that. Uh, Lars said 530. He undershot it pretty good, too. And Nathan said 535. So uh, Adam wins that one. Congratulations, Adam. <laughs> he, missed pri- he missed price so bad that we'll give him credit for... Uh, for getting David. Um, Mookie bets doubles. Uh, he hit a lot, as always. We all predicted around what he got. Not exactly right, but pretty close. Uh, Xander Bogart's average uh, 315 was the uh, was the threshold that we went. Uh, he ended up hitting 294. Most people picked over 300. I mean, I picked 303, which was actually fairly close. Adam picked around 300 as well, so that was pretty good. Uh, Lauren, you picked 309, so you were about 15 points off, even though he was hitting better than 309 for pretty much the whole season uh, yep. until the end, unfortunately. Uh, Mike picked 305 also, so as you see, we're all kind of a little over 300. Lars picked 318, so way over. Nathan picked 310, so Xander kind of fell off a little bit too much at the end of the season, which was a little bit of a shame. Um, here's my favorite one to talk about, Rick Porcello ERA. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> my god. <laughs> I love I love this one, and I love it especially because me and Lauren totally nailed it, and nobody else was even close. So I'm gonna gloat about this for a little bit. Uh, well, first of all, the threshold was 470 because he was so bad last year and had almost a five ERA last year. Um, I so his final ERA was uh, 315, so keep that in mind. Uh, I said 360, which I thought was being nice. Uh, wasn't even nice enough, but. Pretty close compared to the uh, 470 uh, threshold. So 360 for me. Uh, Adam said, didn't even give a number. He just said he's the worst pitcher in the league. So yeah, he got that one right, didn't he? <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, I think I think he nailed it right on the head, guys. Yeah, worst pitcher in the league. Uh, we'll probably win Cy Young. That's how it works usually. Um, <laughs> Lauren, you picked 362, which is almost exactly what I picked, and uh, we 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 uh, got a lot closer on that one. So good job there. Um, Mike picked 495, not even close, but he will admit that he was completely wrong about that. Uh, Nick Tasso said way over 470, so whoops. And uh, Lars picked uh, 474, pretty off on that. Nathan picked 450, so Lauren, air fist bump. We killed it on that one. <laughs> yeah, we did, and I'm I'm glad because like you know we saw what he did last year at the be- at the end of last year, and I really thought he was going to build off that. I didn't think he was going to build off. As, as well as he did, but I'm glad he did, and I'm glad that at least two people on this written coverage team had faith in him. I will admit I was completely wrong as well. I didn't <laughs> write it down on and, paper, but I'm pretty sure I said like five something when we did this <laughs> show. So I will admit and, uh, that I was completely wrong. The Blue Jays, breaking news, guys, the Blue Jays just swept the Texas Rangers. Oh, man. Wow. Really? It's over. Really? How yep. did it happen? What was the story? How did it happen? Tell me everything. Was it Jose? It, and I don't, it's only one run. It might've been Jose. I went to the fridge really quick to get water. You missed <laughs> and I, it? How did you missed it? And oh. I, I came back and they are wearing their hats and Texas um, looks very, very sad. 
I got it here. Uh, Batista struck out Russell Martin, ground of fielder's choice, um, but Mitch Moreland made an error in that end of the game. That's embarrassing. Oh, that's the worst way to end the game. That is the worst way. The <laughs> team in the American League loses on an error. That's always good, right? Yep, that's how it should go. So see you, Texas. All right, back to uh, back to this. Uh, All-Stars um, <laughs> won last year. As you remember, just Brock Holt, our over-under was three and a half. Um, the Sox had five, or they had six. Hit six, six, yeah, which is way more than than last year. Obviously, I picked five, which is pretty solid. Um, Adam picked less than three and a half. He picked two. Uh, Lauren, you picked four. I think I was the closest on this one. A uh, three for Mike. Uh, Nick said three, uh, four. Excuse me. Also, Lars said three. Nathan said two. Yeah, so I got the closest on that one too. Because um, I have faith in my all stars, <laughs> and my and my second favorite one, guys, behind Rick Porcello, Clay Buckle to DL stints. The over under was point five. Me and Lauren picked zero. Everyone else picked over. And how many did he have? Let's hear it, guys. Let's hear it. He had zero. Relax. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Clay Buckle survives with the best season of his career. Honestly, I'll tell you. Besides the fishing thing, <laughs> I will tell you too. You, you know why he survived? He did it to himself. Because I keep saying this, and it's true. Like, the beginning of the year, he said, I'm healthy, I'm fine, I'm 100%. If he didn't say that, he probably would have ended up on a DL stint somewhere. Uh, I'm convinced of that. But that being said, he what, didn't get put on the Phantom DL. They, they told him, you know what, you're riding it out, let's go, let's fix it. And, and he kind of fixed it. Yeah, I mean... Clay Buckle, Cy Young. No, Clay... Rick Porcello, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. It's it's funny, like, every every year, you know, I feel like we don't have a lot of faith in Clay Buckles, and no, it wasn't his best season, but he stayed off the DL, stayed healthy for the most part, and, you know, and I feel like he's... biggest game of the season. <laughs> even, he, he has the season on his little frail shoulders, and it, it, <laughs> yes. it's frightening, but I've got more faith in him right now than I, I did in David Price. Frail's being yeah, nice. I'm, I'm feeling good about it, so... Yeah, little little skinny Clay Buckles body. Hey, I'm skinny too. I feel you, Clay. What's up? <laughs> you are not Clay Buckles. You're probably a better pitcher than Clay Buckles. I'm a terrible pitcher. Give me Clay all day long. <laughs> and let's just uh, let's just go over the uh, the the quick uh, kind of little funny X factor breakout players because these always have potential to go completely awry, which most of them usually do. Um, I picked Rick Porcello as my X factor. Feeling pretty good about that. Um, I won't glow too much because I already did really well on the rest of it, so I'll keep my uh, excitement to a minimum. (laughs) We know I'm the best predictor in the world, so it's okay. (laughs) No, I'm not, but I do have a knack for these kind of things for some reason. Uh, I missed this one. I said Joe Kelly would be a breakout player. I guess you call him a breakout player in the bullpen at the end of the season, but that's not what I was (laughs) Yeah, that's not what I was anticipating when I wrote this, though. I was talking about starting, so that didn't work out too well. Um, And my Team prediction: I said lose an ALCS um, and a wild card berth, so I missed both. I missed the wild card berth, obviously, win the division. Uh, ALCS, we'll see what happens. Um, time will tell. Chris Young will hit over twenty home runs. Whoops. Clay Buckle to win uh, eighteen <laughs> games and <laughs> have an ERA under two fifty be a signing candidate. Whoops. <laughs> and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. will hit three thirty five, win the batting title. Uh, whoops. But <laughs> he was hitting three forty two at one point this season, so I, I was on the right page at one point, kind of. Didn't work out too well. He had like an insanely long hitting streak. That's right. That was the only reason. So I missed all those. You know what? That's great. I'm not great at this stuff, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Adam picked Joe Kelly as his X Factor. Sorry. Breakout player Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, kind of. He had 26 home runs, 87 RBI. That's that's pretty solid. So I'll give him some credit on that one. Um, Missed the playoffs. Sorry, Adam. That is incorrect. That's Bedroy traded by the trade deadline. Nope. Troy Lavella managed by June 1st. Nope. Travis Shaw, triple-A player. I mean, 16 homer, 71 RBI. He did good there. His average kind of dropped a little too much, but we'll give you partial credit on that. I think he's better than triple-A, but he might not be good enough for the majors, so maybe, like, between four. those two, is he's there a 4A player? 4A. <laughs> exactly. So there's that's Adams. Uh, Lauren, X-Factor, John Farrell. Um, I mean, hey, Ugh. they won In a bad way, games. yeah, sure. No, no. <laughs> He could be manager of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's not because of him. He did not do anything to deserve manager of the year. He gets it. Okay, that's your opinion. <laughs> that's a lot of people's opinion. Laura, yeah, you want to defend your X Factor here? Yeah, I mean, we all know how he ended last season. You know, he had cancer. He had to come back. And really, like, the only reason we've said this before that he came, that he was given his job was because of the situation he was in. 
Red Sox didn't want to look like the bad guys. So, and he knew that his job was on the line. Yes, he's made questionable decisions throughout the season, but we're in the playoffs where we were AL East champs. So I don't, I feel like I made a really good decision with my X factor. Like he knew what he had to do going into the season. So John Farrell for president <laughs> beats what we got now. Yeah, probably the better of the three. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Clay Buckles, breakout player. Uh, I'm on board with that. Look what he's doing now. He's pitching the biggest game of the season. <laughs> I guess I guess tomorrow we'll know for sure. Good job, Lauren. And uh, worst to first to worst to first to first. Uh, sorry, I think I did that wrong. Worst to first to worst to first to That's hard to say. Wow, I'm just going to stop now. Anyway, so it happened. <laughs> the Sox went from worst to first again. Um, won the AL East, and they're going to the World Series, which is still a possibility because they're going to win 11 straight. Uh, good job, Lauren. Uh, Lauren's predictions. Uh, David Price will not lose a game through his first 10. Didn't happen. We don't care. He's terrible. Boogie um, <laughs> <laughs> Betts will win. We'll hit 30 home runs, and 17 of those coming before the All-Star break. Ding, 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 ding. As we know, yeah, that was a winner. <laughs> that, was, that was a winner right there. Uh, and Blake Swire will make the All-Star team. Not quite. Where's Blake was, Swire was... now? Injured. Uh, I know, I know, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you were about as off on that one as you were on with Mookie Betts, but that's okay. Yep. You, know, you got one. We'll give you can't credit. win them all. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Mike yeah, said, Apani... Right. Uh, Mike said, um, concerned about the pitching for X-Factor. So the X-Factor is pitching besides Price, uh, more like besides Porcello. Um, breakout player Matt Barnes. I think that's fair. I mean, he had his struggles from time to time, but he was a pretty reliable bullpen guy, and I still feel good with him on the mound, so I can I can deal with that. Um, and no no playoffs for the team, so that's obviously wrong. Joe Kelly winning 15 games and the number two starter. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mike. Not quite. Um, Hanley Ramirez playing over 130 games and winning the Gold Glove. I mean, that's closer than a lot of people would have expected because he did play good first base. He did play over 130 games and he did enjoy first base. So, Mike, we'll give you credit on that one. And uh, and John Farrell managed the Red Sox for the whole season. Not sure how bold that was, Mike, but, but uh, it, it happened. <laughs> so I guess good job. Right, semi semi congrats on that. Uh, Nick Tasso, uh, X-Factor 2 through 5 starters. Yeah, except that the 2 through 5 starters weren't who expected. Again, David Price. Um, breakout player, Hanley Ramirez. Good job, Nick. That's right exactly what happened. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. He had a great season. He said he was going to have a fantastic season. So good job, Nick Tasso, on that. Um, and team prediction, no uh, playoffs and the firing of John Farrell. Over 2. All right. Uh, Pablo Sandoval becoming a nuisance in the clubhouse. <laughs> Well, wow. bad news, he actually had to get cut and left the team. So there you go. Right, he basically doesn't exist anymore. So uh, Carson Smith left season-ending surgery. That's also happened. So <laughs> good job, wow. man. And, whoops on the third one here. Rick Porcello ends up the season in the bullpen. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, Rick Porcello. Yeah. He, mean Joe, he meant Joe Kelly, right? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> or Clay Buckles. <laughs> or Drew Pomerantz. He meant Drew Pomerantz, right? In the or preseason. Drew. Right. Just you got every pitcher except for the right one there, Nick. So, oh, well, Lars has to be X factor, the whole bullpen. Well, they were terrible for most of the year and then they got really good. So uh, I guess that's kind of an X factor. Yeah. Um, Mookie Betts breakout player. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he could vomit. He could win MVP. That's pretty breakout. Um, I think you nailed that one. Uh, and team prediction, ALDS. Um, wow. That's impressive. He did say they're going to win the wild card and win the one game playoff. But he said that they get into the ALDS and inconsistent pitching dooms them in the ALDS. He's looking pretty smart right now. I was going to say that he like travel back in time because that's pretty cool. It's pretty on point, right? More on point than anybody else at the moment. So uh, so far, Lars is right. But I know for a fact that he's not rooting for that to happen. He's going all in for uh, for a World Series. So despite his prediction, I know his true feelings. I know you, Lars. I know your feelings. Oh right. yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's like let's save, your, let's save your um, deep and darkest secrets for off the air. <laughs> yes. Bold predictions. Hanley Ramirez managed to be an effective first baseman and commits fewer than 10 errors. Good. Got it. Not that bold with the 10 errors thing, but he played great, and let's go with it. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. turns in a solid year at the plate. In addition to winning his first gold glove, I think he should win a gold glove, and he did have a solid year at the plate, so there's a good one there. And the miss. David Price wins 20 games and wins his first Cy Young Award for Boston Pitchers since Pedro in 2000. That will be Rick Porcello. <laughs> he got to the, he was going to win a Cy Young Award winner. He got that right. 
Yeah, just missed the player, so not too far off. And we finish up with Nathan Yeo, X-Factor's Andrew Bogarts. Well, yeah, he was good for a lot of the season, then he uh, kind of fell off. So kind of got that. Breakout player, Travis Shaw, for the first few months, absolutely. Um, for the last several, not quite, but um, on the right on the right track there, Nathan. Uh, and Red Sox make the playoffs, and uh, he didn't really say what they do in the playoffs. He kind of didn't predict that. So, he hey. Right. He's like, oh, run towards the final championship with Ortiz. It's sure to be a potent force in close series, but he didn't really say what exactly would happen. Uh, bold predictions. Hanley hits 25-plus home runs. Yes, sir, he did. He hit 30, so that's awesome. Uh, bets 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Also correct. Very nice. Um, he got well over that, obviously, 31 and 26. Mm-hmm. And his third one to finish off, Price right in the postseason. If the Sox make the playoffs, Price will get another chance to prove himself after a string of October disappointments. If he can build confidence over the course of the season, come to count on a run production, I expect Price to aid the Sox in a possible postseason campaign. Several wins are possible if Boston goes in any sort of run. At the very least, Nathan Yeo, quote, he won't be the reason the Red Sox lose. Sorry, Nathan. Not looking so good on that one. Yeah, it's on writing. You can't take that one back, Nate. So I know. It's so there you go. That's the Red Sox early season predictions. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, just like every prediction segment, right? Yeah. Predictions don't go right 99% of the time, so I'm impressed how much stuff people kind of got right. Or in the ball Yeah, we did pretty stuff. well. I'd say we did pretty well. Not terrible. Um, but there you go. Those are predictions. A lot of baseball still to be played with October in the World Series. So we're obviously going to be here catching you up on the Red Sox and the World Series and everything that's going on in between that. Um, of course, don't forget our show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, of course, you can go to Red Sox Beat um, specific page at blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat to get your first three meals for free with free shipping. And uh, look, at, Go check out the menu. It's a lot of good stuff on there, so go check it out. Um, as well as find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. And, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. If you can rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes, we'd love you. Continue support. We'd love it every time, a single week. Uh, we see the feedback. We see it. So we appreciate that. Um, Hopefully next time we talk to you guys, the Red Sox are still in the playoffs, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, But until next week, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali, and this has been Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio.